that you can use at different times. As the sensations become predominant, strong bodily feelings of tightness or tension or pressure or tingling or vibration, heat, cold, whatever they may be, one way is to direct the attention very carefully and precisely just into the center of that sensation to see how carefully and exactly it can be felt. It's as if we had first become aware of the general area of the sensation, then let the attention come in close, begin to become aware of the pinpoints of sensation within that area, the points of maximum intensity, and begin to notice what happens to each of those pinpoints of sensation. Do they change? Do they disappear? Do they appear to shift position? It's almost like following the dots of sensation. So sometimes we begin with the awareness of the entire area and then go in very close to the particular points of sensation within that area. After some time of noticing what happens, we can again back up, take in the whole area again. So we move our attention in and out in this awareness of sensation. Two refinements of attention, which can be very helpful and the strengthening of mindfulness. The first of them is to notice what the particular sensation is. That is, is it heat or cold or tightness or pressure? Sometimes we may be with a feeling and not be able to determine exactly, may not be able to give it a name. In that case, that's fine also. You can use the generic note, sensing or feeling. But through investigation, if you can see, if you can determine what the sensation is, it will give a clearer understanding of the experience of that particular sensation. So one refinement when the sensations are strong, to see if you can label or note the particular kind it is. The second refinement has to do with noticing what happens to the sensation as you're feeling it. That is, notice whether the sensation gets stronger or gets weaker whether it spreads an area or diminishes, whether it disappears quickly, disappears slowly. So we both note what the sensation is and we also notice what happens to it.
you'll find that this both requires and strengthens very strong quality of attentiveness. In order to see what happens to the sensations, we need to be noticing carefully. So this is the first strategy for dealing with sensations, bringing the mind in very close, investigating, examining carefully. The second strategy is to settle back into the awareness in a very relaxed mode, more receptive rather than more active, becoming aware of the sensations appearing in the same way that sounds appear or the breath appears. So we're settled back in awareness in a more effortless, receptive noting, noticing. Different sensations appear in the field of awareness or in the empty space of awareness. See if the mind can stay as free with sensations as it may be with sound. When sound arises and you're aware of hearing, there's nothing special the mind has to do in order to hear. You don't lean into the sound. You don't try to make it a certain way. Sitting very relaxed, very open, sound appears and the sound is known quite naturally and effortlessly. At times, see if you can be with the breath and be with sensations in just the same way. They're all coming and going by themselves. So there's nothing special we have to do except to remain undistracted in this open quality of awareness. It gets interesting because you may notice that as you settle back, very open, very relaxed, and different sensation comes, you might begin to notice very habitual reactions to these sensations, particularly if they're unpleasant. You might notice different contraction in the body or fear or aversion, dislike, wanting them to change, wanting them to go away. In that moment of reaction, we are already pulled out of that open, clear, receptive, empty state of mind. So simply notice the reaction that may come. And again, settle back into the awareness, feeling the sensations, just as you might be with sound. The image for this way, or this perspective on practice, is understanding the mirror-like wisdom of the mind. That is, the nature of the mind is awareness itself. And everything is simply arising, appearing, 
being known, changing, Notice the different times when each of these ways or each of these perspectives might be helpful. If you're feeling very tight, if there's a sense of struggle, if you're trying to force something, and settle back into the awareness of the body, be grounded in the awareness of the body, open to sound, open to the feeling of the breath arising, sensations arising, quite naturally, receptively, If you're feeling too spaced out, the mind is wandering too much, you don't feel present, then a more active practice of mindfulness would be helpful, where you direct the mind very carefully and specifically and deeply into what is arising. The practice is a rhythm between these two. Any questions about your practice? A question about intensive meta practice. Um, I find that the mind becomes quite calm in the phrases, and then it kind of goes often into kind of syrupy, kind of sleepy state, and it's like I can't even think of the phrases. What do you go from there? The question was about. The intensive metta practice. In the beginning, the mind quite concentrated on the phrases, but then it's going into a kind of syrupy. There are two possibilities that come to mind. One is that it's equivalent to sinking mind in the Vipassana practice, where the concentration gets stronger, but the clarity is not so strong. You know, which in Vipassana is the imbalance between concentration and mindfulness. The concentration is, is getting deeper, but the mindfulness or clarity is not there so much. And so we get into this kind of very dreamy, floaty space, which can be quite nice. Oh, the hour went quickly. <laughs> so that's one possibility, that that's what's happening. Um, if it's that, then I think you want to give a little more attention Uh, bring the attention closer to the meaning of the phrases so to create a little more alertness and um, aliveness in the mind around the meaning but another possibility with the metta sometimes the feeling state gets very strong the concentration is strong the feeling is strong and the words don't come easily because uh, it can be because of a feeling of rapture or happiness, or, um, but it's not. It's not a. Um, it's not a lack of clarity at that time. 
It's just that there's some strong energy, some strong meta-energy happening, which is keeping the verbalization of the phrases from arising. If that's the case, that's fine. You can just hang out in that until the phrases come again. So you have to see whether the, whether the mind is really quite clear in it or not. perfect. <laughs> no, it is, because it's, uh, just a few things too. One is, keep in mind that the practice is never to make it a particular way, but really to notice how it is. Okay, so that has to be the general framework of understanding, that we're not trying to fix it in one way or another, but rather just to settle back and say, yes, it's this way now, it's this way. In what you're describing, it's actually a, uh, you call it a deepening insight or a, a furthering of the insight into impermanence. You know, where you see the experience arising and in the moment, in the moment you bring your attention to it, it's not there anymore. And then something else arises, it's not there. Something else, it's not there. Uh, so appreciate the fact of seeing the impermanence rather than thinking that it's a problem, which it's not. Are there any uh, difficulties or problems in working with sensations or pain? Is anybody having any painful sensations? I think in situations where there is a tremendous amount of energy, and this can happen in the practice, it's just, and it's, it's really quite amazing. I mean, mostly in our lives, we're not aware of the body as being an energy system. But in the course of meditation practice, that becomes increasingly obvious that it's just this energy field. You know, and sometimes it gets very, very intense. Uh, in that situation, it is helpful to be in the mode of relaxing back, of opening up, of creating space so that it can just flow through. Um, if you can notice where you're holding, you know, where the body is tensing in reaction to the intensity of the energy, it can be helpful to notice where that, that particular place is. Maybe it's in the neck, maybe shoulders, maybe back, wherever. And as you become aware of the place that you're doing that, relax that, open up. Uh, working with sounds can uh, be of some help to access that space of, uh, of openness, you know, of non-struggle. 
the energy, the, the intensity of the energy is actually quite good because when that's happening, you don't feel sleepy. You know, it's it's very compelling. In, in what? In a fraction of a second. Right. right. And then what happens? Yeah. Basically, as I said a bit earlier, it really is simply to notice what it is that's happening and how it's happening. Sometimes sleepiness. And sleepiness can come from a variety of reasons. And in a couple of nights, Steve is going to give a detailed hindrance talk. You know, because these are the things that come up a lot. But sometimes sleepiness comes, uh, it's kind of an inner defense against not being with things that are unpleasant. Uh, so that could be happening. You know, if there's... Uh, strong pain or discomfort. Mm. See if it's possible to watch very carefully mm, that transition from being with the pain and the sensation, noticing what happens to it. See if you can actually catch that transition into sleepiness. Because it may be that you'll be able to uh, see exactly what it is that's going on, of what's conditioning the sleepiness. Is it I've had enough of this. <laughs> I don't want to be with the pain anymore. Sleep. No. Or something else. The key to practice, really, is the quality of interest. Now, it's just arousing and generating that interest in understanding what it is that's going on and noticing the ways in which the mind gets caught, identified, contracted, fearful, and ways in which, even for a moment, we, this is not something that we have. We need to have an idealized picture. Yes, I'm going to have a free mind for the next hour. It's not like that. But if there's interest, and really a careful looking to see what it is that's going on, we can we can see. Yeah, in reaction to the pain, things are tightening. Right there, you know, we can really explore and understand the four noble truths. And if we're able to see that, even for a moment, if we can relax the reaction, relax the contraction, so that the painful feeling is arising just like a sound is arising, with the mind in that open mirror-like state, even for a moment. That's tremendously illuminating because it shows us something about the nature of suffering and the nature of freedom. So all... All the things that happen in practice are workable. It's just whether or not we can generate you know, the interest and the equanimity uh, to look. And that's why it's called practice. It's not that we should assume, yes, I should be able to do this perfectly. If we could, we wouldn't need to be here. You know, this is the great opportunity to practice this. And as you see, this endless opportunities. <laughs> they just keep coming one moment after the next. Okay. Uh, I just want to back off from causing pain, to back off from the 
it really has to do in terms of backing off from pain or, or diverting the attention from it. Uh, you have to see whether there's the quality in the mind of interest, of willingness, of openness, of investigation. If those qualities are there, then to stay with the painful feeling is helpful. You know, because we have the right mental attitude to investigate. If you're sitting there and it's just this huge struggle, you know, and you're tightening and you're forcing and you're struggling with it and the mind is getting more and more depressed by it, and that's not the time to just hang in there. That's the time to, to back off, to attend to something else, you know, to open to sound so that the mind gets a little refreshed. So you really want to play with this. It's not, it's not a macho struggle. It's really for the sense of learning. And so we have to see, you know, in any particular situation, is our mind open to learning from what's there or not? I'll just In this question of being with pain, there is quite a spectrum of viewpoint among the great ones. And I'm just, what comes to mind is two quite conflicting pieces of advice from two really of the greatest Burmese sayadows. You know, one approach is sit and die, it's okay. (laughs) 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 And the other approach was from another equally eminent, you know, great, great Sayadaw, was that actually uh, happiness is one of the conditions for concentration. And so that if you're sitting struggling, it's better to make yourself comfortable. And so there's a little more inner ease and joy so the mind can concentrate easily. Uh, so you have your choice. <laughs> <laughs> What I would recommend is you experiment with both sides. You know, because my experience is that at different times, each one of those perspectives can be helpful. And we kind of have to learn for ourselves intuitively, okay, when is, it be- when is it really helpful? Okay, let me sit here and be with it. And when is it helpful? Just to relax things a bit. Now, and that's the beauty of this long retreat. You really have time to explore all this. You know, so you really make the practice your own. Okay, there are a couple of announcements which we're here at the beginning of the sitting. This morning we'll include in the field of mindfulness a particular noticing or awareness of intention in the mind. Tension is an extremely important quality or factor in the mind. Because it is the link between the understanding, the mind and the body the cause and effect relationship. We begin to understand a deeper level of selflessness 
through mindfulness of intention. Begin to see the seeds of karma in the awareness of intention. Creates the space in the mind for wise discrimination. When we're aware of intention, then there's the possibility of wise choice. Shall I act on this? Shall I not act? We can discriminate between what is skillful and what is unskillful. Intention means that aspect of volition in the mind, of willing. And it's quite a subtle moment that arises prior to any action. In its most obvious form, the intention might take the form of a thought, a thought to do something. But in a more subtle aspect, it's simply that moment before an action begins in which we know that we're about to act. Sometimes it feels like it is the about-to moment. So as you're sitting, you can begin to experiment with the awareness of it as you notice the whole process of mind and body involved in any movement. As you sit, feeling the body, feeling the breath, perhaps there's some discomfort that arises in the body. To notice the discomfort, the unpleasant feeling. Perhaps there's some aversion to that unpleasantness. Notice the aversion. Out of the aversion to the unpleasantness, Perhaps there's a desire to move, a desire for more pleasant feeling. Unpleasant feeling conditions aversion, the aversion conditions desire, the desire conditions the intention to move. That willing or that volition, the intention to move conditions the movement. In this whole process, there's no I, no self, no mind. It's just aspects of mind and body conditioning each other. When we're unaware of intention, it's easy to be identified with it and to create the strong sense of self in that feeling, I'm the one who's moving, I'm the one who's deciding decided to move, instead of seeing that the intention itself is just part of this impersonal process. When you become aware of the intention before moving, 
in that moment of noting, intending, or willing, or about to move, in that moment of mindfulness, you then have the choice. Shall I act on this intention or not? Shall I move this time or not? As you go through the day, you can begin to notice the intention before the obvious movements of reaching, of turning, changes of posture. What can help to illuminate the awareness of intention is having a slight pause before the movement happens. And in that pause, there's simply the knowing that you are about to do something. You may not feel it as any particular sensation or any particular thought or any particular feeling, but rather just a knowing of about to about to shift, about to stand, about to reach, with the flavor of volition, the flavor of intending. So sitting, settled back into your body, aware of your body posture, staying grounded in the awareness of your body very simply, very easily. <coughs> Feeling the body sitting, open to sounds. Noticing how spontaneously the sounds are known. Quite effortlessly we simply sit, sounds appear, appearances of the mind. Open to the feeling of each breath as it appears. Letting each breath come in its own time, in its own rhythm. Simply another arising phenomena. Each breath is known as spontaneously as each sound is known. As we sit, Settled back into the body, remaining undistracted. Each phenomena of mind and body simply arises and changes and passes. Known by the mirror-like wisdom of the mind.
feeling each breath, open to predominant sensations as they appear, noticing the arising of thoughts, of images, aware of strong emotions or the hindrances, whatever presents itself, whatever is predominant. You can use the soft mental note as a way of helping to connect with each arising object. The nature of the mind is awareness. Notice how exactly and spontaneously each new object is known when we're undistracted. Do you have any questions about your practice? I think it was no accident that this is the calmest meeting I've ever had. And I think it was that my body was, I'm not going to move at all. I can you to move. So the things that I became aware of were those areas in which I have uh, an option to do it voluntarily, like swallowing and breathing. And I noticed, for example, in breathing, that I seem to do, I seem to do breathing a lot more uh, than I do. And I, I wonder if you just can mm-hmm. Well, the breath is an interesting object because it straddles the the line of voluntary and involuntary. We can breathe intentionally, and yet if we're not paying any attention to the breath, it's still going on. Um, Often people find that as they bring their awareness to the breath, there seems to be a little interference with it in, in its natural rhythm. My experience is that the biggest problem in people's practice is thinking that that's a problem. Uh, And that if you can settle back and simply notice with any particular breath, oh, it seems that this breath was a little intentional or a little forced in some way. And just to notice that, more easily it comes back to its natural rhythm rather than think, oh, I shouldn't be forcing my breath, how can I make it natural, which just makes the mind more agitated. Uh, in this practice, as uh, distinct from many other kinds of meditative or yogi practices, where there is intentional breathing, that's not the point. And so there's no need to consciously decide to breathe in a certain way. 
It really is to settle back and allow, allow it to be as natural as possible and simply to notice when it's not. Um, that seems the, the easiest way to proceed and it serves the same purpose. Now one of the uh, things that's highlighted in the Buddha's discourse on mindfulness of breathing, which is both its own discourse and part of the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the discourse on the foundations of mindfulness, the instructions are simply to notice each breath as it is. And so it goes through a whole sequence. You know, the yogi knows when the breath is short, knows when the breath is long, knows when the breath is like this, knows when the breath is like that. It's not saying we should make our breath a particular way. It's just with each breath we should notice how it is. And that really allows the mind to settle back from that place of interest because with each breath we don't know how that particular one is going to be. We don't know whether it'll be deep or shallow or long or short. And so we just sit back and wait. Okay, how is this one? How is this one? You know, and it's, it generates both the interest and the connection. The question was that sometimes when the mindfulness is weak, it seems like it's the, the breathing is clearer at the nose, although his usual object of attention is the rising and falling of the abdomen. And what about just switching to the nose when that seems more appropriate? Um, I think it's fine. Uh, the important or the reference point for the practice is really what's most conducive to staying aware. The one caution in that is if you find that you're at the rising and falling, then you're up at the nose, and then you're at the rising and falling, and find where, where is it most clear? And the mind's just getting confused and agitated. That's not so helpful. And then it would be better just to stay at one place through all the changes at that place. But if in the course of a sitting you're with the rising and falling, and then quite naturally you feel a breath or two or three at the nose and then it settles back down, it's fine. You just stay in that rhythm. Throughout the whole day, um, and in the ensuing days, uh, it would be very helpful to practice the awareness of intention because not only does it tremendously refine the quality of mindfulness, it's a way of sharpening uh, that factor of mind, it has tremendous implication in our lives because it's really the mechanism through which we can come out of mechanical habituated actions. 
Now it gives us that moment's pause to, as I say, have some wise reflection about what we do in our lives. Wise reflection might be useful. You can begin to practice it here with very predominant movements or changes of position. In the walking practice, depending on just your level of interest or investigation, uh, there's intention actually happening in every moment. The, the image used is that of when you plug an electric appliance, and when you plug it in, the intention is like the current which keeps the appliance moving. Take the plug out, the movement stops. In the same way, intention is actually arising in every moment of consciousness in the Abhidhamma explanation. And it's really what is continuing to re-motivate you know, an action. So in the walking, for example, the intention is arising throughout. And if at any point the intention stopped, the movement would stop. But it's not always, in every moment, it's not always the predominant factor. It's very predominant or very noticeable in those moments where an action is initiated. So depending how you're walking, for example, you could be aware of the intention before beginning the step, intending to lift and lift, move, place. You could notice the intention before each part of the step, intending to lift, Notice how your foot lifts and intending to move. Notice how it moves, intending to place. When you stop, when you come to the end, intending to stop, intending to turn. So there are many, many places in there where you can begin to notice. The key in this is the quality of interest. Because if you do it without the sense of interest, you'll drive yourself a little nuts. <laughs> because there are endless numbers of intentions. And we will always miss many more than we catch. Because, as I say, it's arising in every moment. So you want to play with your, le- your current level of interest and investigation. Start, start, see if you can notice the ones that are predominant, that really stand out, that initiate some kind of change of movement, change of posture. In moving around the building, just as an example of, of how you can practice, two very simple movements that occur a lot, in which you could notice the intention, uh, every time you reach, and it's amazing how in the course of the day there's a lot of reaching that goes on. And so just to note, so that the action is not done mechanically, it's like you get to wherever, a door handle or a whatever, and before slipping into the movement mechanically, there's just that moment's pause in which the intention, the volition to do it is recognized. Whether or not you use the label, the note might help in the beginning, but the important thing is that moment's recognition. So before reaching, you could do it before turning to wend your way around this building. There are a lot of turns. The body doesn't turn by itself. 
You know, there's some force in the mind, some intention, that's actually the condition for the body to turn. Now we can do it with a sense of play, you know, with a sense of wanting to understand how it's all happening, not from a sense of burden. And see if you can begin to, to understand the flavor in the intention. There's a flavor of willing, and a flavor of volition. That's, it's some, I don't know what to call it, some energy or some taste, some flavor in the mind, some force which is actually initiating the action. It's that willing to do something. This is a very, uh, it's a very subtle but also a very uh, powerful quality of mind to notice. It's really a, a key link in understanding the whole process. That's a good question. That often in the noting, using the noting in the service of mindfulness of what's arising, very commonly we become the noter. We create the self or the I in the, in the one who's noting. Um, it's very helpful if as you settle back in this open awareness and things are just appearing, the sounds, breath, sensations, you can let the note itself be another arising appearance that just arises with the object. And so it's less a sense of staying back in here as the one doing the note, but rather seeing the noting itself as just another element in the process which is arising, serving in its own function, doing its job, but it's doing it non-personally. It's not a sense of I'm doing it. So sometimes I get the image of just the note floating up with the object. Not just in, out. And you can notice the note itself as another, another appearance in the mind. So that way it stays very light, very transparent. You know, it's just, it's, it's the lightest the lightest word floating up or floating down, whatever you like. Okay, just an announcement. Um, both Steve and I...
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.